You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Welcome back to another episode of the Pull Box Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Finley, and I have a very special guest with me today, um, graphic novelist Jason Shiga. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we appreciate you making the time to talk, especially since you're kind of literally on the other side of the world than we are so the time difference is quite different um you're in is it is is it paris that you're in right now uh it's in angoulême angoulême france wonderful and we will uh get to why you're there in a little bit but i wanted to talk to you today about um about demon and uh because we just talked about that on our show last week and so uh uh, it's really neat that we have the opportunity to talk to you now to get a little bit of a deeper insight into the book and talk about um, why you've done it and what makes it so amazing. Um, can you tell us, I know that it has a little bit of an interesting publication history because it didn't start out as this book that was put out by First Second. Can you give us a little bit of a background there? Uh, yes. So, um so originally, uh, my conception of Demon uh, was as a uh, monthly serial, um, and I guess the idea is uh, it would uh, it would come out every month. Um, and I had it was a re- it was a really crazy idea, but uh, I had the idea that uh, each issue would be a different number of pages. So some issues would be sixty pages. Some issues would be only four pages, um, but they'd uh, they'd come out every month, and over the course of uh, 21 issues, it would tell this uh, this long story uh, of Demon. And uh, when I floated this idea to uh, to my publisher, uh, they <laughs> they sort of understandably uh, balked at it uh, because. <laughs> Uh, well, first, first of all, no one's really, uh, uh, none of the uh, big publishers are doing serials uh, uh, or uh, little pamphlets these days anyways. Right. Um, uh, yeah. It was understandably a hard sell, but uh, I decided I would try to uh, release it as a mini-comic. Um, so I, uh, I got a old beat-up risograph off of uh, Craigslist and uh, started printing up the issues myself. And uh, I thought, um, even though I'd been kind of a, uh, a you know a web comic skeptic for 20 years, uh, I thought I'd sort of dip my toe and release it simultaneously as a web comic. So when you uh, say, so sorry, when you say a web comic skeptic, what do you mean by that? What were your issues uh, with web comics? Uh, I don't know. Just uh, you know the the usual things you hear. Uh, it's inconvenient to read. I know it's, that the format is interesting because um, you it it relies solely on the reader to come back every single day or however often you you uh, decide to put something new up there. 
And I know I first heard of Demon when it was a webcomic, and I followed for the first, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 pages, and then I went on vacation, and when I came back from it, I forgot all about it. <laughs> and uh, and then so I never, and then all of a sudden the book's coming out. I'm like, oh, I guess I missed that boat. I went back to your webpage, and it's not there anymore. <laughs> so I think that is one of the issues with webcomics, right? Um, it, you, yeah, it's... I mean, I guess it's it's anything with a, a sort of serial nature. Um, I guess you could say the same thing about uh, you know pamphlets or uh, you know strips. Uh, you know, uh, Mary Worth or uh, Rex Morgan, MD. That's true. Yeah, yeah. If you don't keep coming back, then you don't get the the full story. You get lost, and you aren't persuaded to to pick it up again. Right, and also the. Um, I guess for for me, one of the biggest issues is there's uh, it's just kind of a I don't know like a wild west environment. There doesn't seem to be uh, I don't know like a comics journal for web comics as far as I know. There's no uh, kind of central hub where they can tell me what the I don't know what's the mouse of uh, of web comics. Right. Yeah. Know. Yeah. There isn't really that that place. There are there are resources. I know that like. Uh, let me see. Comics Alternative, I think, has a once a month they do a, a webcast, kind of, uh, sorry, a uh, webcomic roundup of some of sorts to tell what they've seen and what's good out there. Um, but yeah, you're right. There is no kind of directory that lets you know what's good and what's what's new. And there's so much stuff out there because it's a it's a medium that anybody with a um, with a computer can get into. It's right. not like it's not like publishing. Where they kind of yeah, I, weed, weed out the riffraff. I mean, I've done, I've been doing web comics for you know, I guess the past two or three years, and I still have no idea how 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 big it is. I, you know, you could tell me there's you know ten thousand web comics. You could tell me there's you know a hundred thousand. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. So, um, so then you started your web comic, and it was a yes. uh, one. One fish in the big sea of web comics. Did you find that it was uh, that it was hard to gain that momentum? Uh, yeah. Well, it was. Um, I loved it actually. Um, so uh, I should back up a bit um, and say that one. I guess one of uh, one of my biggest issues with web comics uh, as as a younger cartoonist was uh, they were. Uh, it was super inconvenient to read because, you know, uh, I guess back in the day you had to, uh, you know, dial up over, you know, 56K modem and <laughs> yeah, wait right. for pages to download and, you know, go make yourself a sandwich while the, uh, you know, the, the page is downloading and then sit in front of your uh, computer screen um, to, uh, to read this thing. But, uh, yeah, I guess... Um, a lot of it is just, uh, you know, the technology was changing. Uh, you know, having um, gotten an iPad uh, recently, uh, and yeah, just reading, uh, reading manga and you know other, you know, surfing the web on that. It's just like, uh, you know, this is great. I can, uh, you know, sit on the bathroom and do all this reading, and um, so that was, yeah, I'd say the change in technology was the uh, biggest uh, biggest thing for me uh, that kind of converted me. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I basically designed, um, I designed uh, my website so that would, it would look nice on, a, on an iPad. 
uh, or a tablet. Um, and uh, yeah, once once I got started, it was uh, it was great. It was um, it was uh, I got fallen out of making mini comics for a while. Um, like a lot of cartoonists my age, I got my start in mini comics in the nineties. But uh, yeah, good getting back into web comics was uh, it was great. It was it was uh, you know they say everything new is uh, old again or everything old is new again. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, it was that same uh, same sense that I got uh, making uh, making mini comics uh, back in the nineties. It's just uh, this really um, direct relationship uh, with my audience was fantastic. And uh, yeah, just being able to think of something and you know literally have it uh, you know be published, so to speak, uh, on the web, you know, literally hours after I think of something. Um, I've been doing uh, I've been doing uh, books uh, like with uh, with publishers uh, for a few years. Um, and I didn't realize uh, how much I really missed that aspect of uh, of minis. So it was uh, it was great to uh, get back into web comics. And uh, I have to say, I uh, I'm I'm a total convert now. Did you um, do you mainly sell the mini comics at conventions and stuff, or is it a primarily off your website? Uh, primarily off my website, actually. I um I set up a, I set up a little Patreon and. Uh, uh, the people um, who were reading reading the webcomic could uh, could basically read into the future of the webcomic. I uh, the features came out about a month ahead of the uh, of the webcomic. Oh, okay. And so the entire demon is now collected in mini comics. Yes. So the two and a half year run of demon has been collected. Um, or it's, it's been collected in the minis and, uh, right, uh, right now they're being collected into books being put out, uh, via first, second. Uh, so they split up the whole, uh, the whole story, which is, uh, 720 pages altogether. Wow. Uh, they split it up into four volumes. So it's, uh, it's almost like, um, I kind of uh, tried to conceptualize it as almost a, uh, a manga series. Uh, if you if you look at it, it looks like a, a nice little four volume uh, series. And yeah. uh, they did a, they did a fantastic job with it. It's um they uh, yeah they got this really nice looking uh, sort of a two color printing job. Um, I guess again going back to uh, to manga, there's uh, there's sort of a long history of uh, two-color manga. Um, uh, if uh, you ever read any of the, uh, the old uh, Norakuro strips, or um, even more recently, uh, Fujiko and Fujio did a bunch of uh, two-color manga. Um, and it's usually either red and black or blue and black. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I have seen those before. And this definitely does feel like that. And even the, the quality, sort of the cult, the sort of pulpy uh, paper stock, like it's kind of yes. a fake pulpy paper stock, um, evokes that old manga style as well. Yes, I love, I love this book. I love, uh, I love what they did with it. it uh, I just, I just can't, I can't stop rubbing my face on the pages. 
And it's important too when you have a, something that's already been released in a couple of different formats to provide something new and different with this format. And the physical presence of this book is is special, um, and not just because of the content, but because of the actual pages, like the physical pages. They they yes. did do a bang up job. Yeah, I so, uh, could not be happier. Um, tell me about the process of writing Demon. Because we noted when we were talking about it on the show last week that it uh, it doesn't have your typical narrative structure or anything like that. It's pretty much just a like a stream of consciousness. How did you <laughs> how did you plan out this story? Um, so yeah, I guess uh, uh, we should uh, probably give some sort of spoiler warning here for, uh, for right. people who haven't read Demon. Um, but uh, yeah, like. Um, like a lot of my stories, um, I, I usually uh, start from a premise, um, and in the case in the case of Demon, uh, the premise was uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, show Quantum Leap. Oh yes, definitely. As a huge fan of the show, um, so it it has a similar premise to Quantum Leap, where the uh, uh, the main character. Um, basically inhabits the body of uh, of other of other people, um, and I, I want to basically take the premise and try to explore every single little nook and cranny and corner of that premise. Um, so uh, I guess um, I don't know if you've read Death Note, but that was a that was a huge inspiration for me. Oh yeah. Um, I love uh, I love the I love the way you took just you know very a very simple idea and uh, yeah and just you know just rigorously try to uh, yeah try to uh, explore it um, and uh, memoirs of an invisible man was a was another big influence um, that's a that one's a novel actually but right. the uh, I guess the premise is uh, this: this guy is involved in an industrial accident and becomes invisible. Um, which you know, it it sounds like you know, like the oldest premise and the oldest you know story in the book. But uh, but yeah, there's you know, every every page you turn, you're like, oh, I, I never thought of that. Like uh, <laughs> I never thought you know, your eyelids would also be invisible. So when you closed your eyes, you'd still be able to see. <laughs> um, you know, just little little details like that, um, right? So yeah. So long story short, it it basically started with the premise, and then just uh, yeah, just exploring exploring the rule set, as they say. Um, but, and did you just um, did you have an, an end in mind when you started, or did you just go until you felt like you've come to a good conclusion? Uh, I had an end in mind. Oh, okay, um, good. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I'd say uh, yeah. You meant you mentioned it's not uh, you know it's not a <laughs> a traditional three act structure or anything. But um, I, I'd say the the sort of organizing principle I wanted was that uh, uh, that every sort of chapter or um, or uh, issue uh, would end on uh, on something of a cliffhanger. Maybe the way uh, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, you know, kind of took the ideas from like uh, you know old movie serials. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say that it has the very 
the old movie serial is a good analogy because it has that because um, they're short, but then something always happens in at the very end to make you want to come back again. So we have only uh, the first volume released right now, and this next one's coming, I think, in February. Uh, that's right. Um, can we expect? Because things get pretty crazy already in this first volume. Um, can we expect it to get even crazier as the story goes along? Uh, yes. Every uh, <laughs> well, I guess I guess another organizing principle is uh, I I try I try to top myself with uh, with every with every issue. So uh, you know, uh, you know, I try I try to make things you know more more intense or you know more perilous, uh, you know, more, more shocking, uh, with, uh, you know, with, uh, with every new issue. So, uh, yes, I can, I can, I can tell you there, it will be even more intense in the, in the next issue. Wow. Yeah, that's great. In the, uh, yeah, in the issues to come. Um, tell me about um, your life before comics. When did you? Uh, where did you go to school, and what did you study? Um, let's see. Well, uh, it's funny. I actually went to an arts magnet school. Uh, so I, um, I guess I always liked art. Uh, my father was an animator. Um, he worked on the uh, the old uh, Rankin Bass uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Uh, Christmas special. Wonderful. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, large uh, parts of that mo uh, Christmas special were actually made in Japan. Um, and my dad was uh, living in Tokyo at the time. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, my I guess you could say it kind of runs in the family because uh, my sister is also uh, working as a cartoonist as well uh, in Japan. She's um, she works on a shoujo title. Um, but yeah, anyway, so uh, you know, I guess art was always important to uh, you know in our family, and uh, yeah, I uh, went to an art school, an arts magnet school, and. Um, for uh, for university, uh, I went to uh, UC Berkeley, but I did not uh, go to an art school. I actually uh, actually ended up studying mathematics um, because that's uh, my other uh, big interest in life, which is math and games and puzzles, uh, which you could probably uh, tell from reading uh, *Demon* and uh, some of my other books. Absolutely, and that's one of the most interesting things about you is the way you, uh, you, I guess the way the the way you arrange your puzzles. Meanwhile, is where I is the first book that I've read of yours, and it is just amazing. And uh, you can tell that there's this mathematical mind behind it because, just because of all of the, the the just the way it's laid out. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just fantastic. Um, how does um, how does your mathematics degree influence the the art that you do? Um, let's see. Well, I try. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Probably, uh, if I'm being honest, there's probably not. Uh, you know, very. There probably aren't too many 
very specific specific theorems or uh you know uh right concepts you know uh from uh from mathematics that i use i mean you know whatever there's there's this uh there's a scene where uh i think jimmy does a little bit of calculus in uh in one of the books but yeah i mean there's uh, I'd say I'd say mostly it's uh, sort of the uh, a uh, I don't know uh, there's more of a mathematical approach to storytelling. So you know approaching uh, approaching things uh, as if they were puzzles or uh, even uh, approaching genre itself as a as sort of a puzzle. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say that's that's pro- probably where the uh, the influence comes in. Um, you've done a lot of books over the years. Which one do you feel is your, uh, your best or the work that you're most proud of? Um, you know, it, uh, it used, it used to be Meanwhile, um, just because, uh, I spent so much time, uh, with that book. Uh, it took, it took about 10 years to find a publisher for it. Uh, so, uh, I, I would say meanwhile, except, uh, I think I'm going to say, uh, Demon is actually my favorite, uh, my favorite work right now. Um, and, and what changed? Cause, uh, just cause, uh, it's, I'd say it's probably my, uh, my most ambitious book by far. Yeah. Uh, it's you know it's 720 pages, uh, so it's my longest book. Uh, I think my second longest is, uh, I think 100 and 140 pages. Uh, so it's the, yeah, blows it's it out of the park. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, just all the all the work uh, that I put into it. Um, it took about. Uh, five years from uh, from conception to uh, to to the end to uh, to get it done, and I was uh, I mean I was just uh, working like a maniac trying to uh, trying to do it, and um, yeah, and then I guess just uh, you know personally all the I guess all the sort of major important things in my life uh, kind of happened while I was uh, working on Demon. You know, I got married and. Uh, I had a kid. Uh, both of my parents died. So, yeah, just in terms of biography, uh, I just I just lived through a lot with that project, and you know, uh, it means a lot to me. Wow, that's incredible. Um, was this uh, an easy book to sell to publishers, or did it take some time before you settled with first, second? Uh, it took it took some time. Um, I think I mentioned before uh, I was <laughs> I was very adamant that uh, it had to be in issues. Um, I also uh, yeah I was also not uh, very willing to compromise on any of the uh, um, I don't know the more uh, lewd aspects of the book. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <too much> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you encounter that pretty quick in this first volume. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, did it gets it gets worse? Let me tell you. 
Um, it, did were there many changes that you made to this print version than what you saw on what we see online? Um, not too many changes. Uh, I made um, you know just normal editorial stuff, uh, and yeah, like one sort of minor uh, plot point, but uh, yeah, not uh, really, not not a whole lot. Um, there's things where you know I kind of. Um, because I was writing and drawing as I went along, there's some parts where I kind of wrote myself into a corner and I had to use a little bit of clumsy exposition to get myself out of it. But yeah, I figured, uh, you know, with, since I'm writing it, uh, or since we're publishing it as a book, I can go back and kind of change continuity a little bit. But, uh, I'd say it's 99%, uh, the same, uh, the same book that, uh, was on the web or was in the mini comics. Right. Um, are the mini comics still available for people to purchase if they wish? Uh, unfortunately, no. I'm. Um, Is that a contractual thing? Uh, you know, actually, I'm not sure. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> I haven't asked them. They haven't told me. But uh, it's it's kind of a moot point, anyways, because I'm uh, I'm over here in France, and uh, I wouldn't be able to uh, to right. mail those uh, mini comics out to anybody, even if they. Uh, ordered so gotcha. um yeah kind of it was it was great while it lasted but uh yeah i took the um took the store down from my website and uh yeah sadly uh you can no longer buy uh uh, uh demon mini comics but if you do have one you can uh i say uh hold on to them for 10 years and then sell them on ebay for one million dollars <laughs> right real collectors there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's uh, there's probably less than 200 of those mini comics uh, out there in the world, so they are uh, now co valuable collectors' items. Wow, wonderful! So tell us what you were doing in France. How did you come to get there? Um, so uh, it's. Uh, where should I say, oh gosh, where should I, where should I start? Um, so uh, I'm here uh, in the city of Angoulême. It's, uh, it's kind of the comics and animation capital of France. And uh, I, first, uh, I first came here in 2008 uh, for the festival. There's a huge festival here in the city uh, every February. Um, and it's, uh, kind of imagine what Comic-Con would be like if it was spread out over an entire medieval city. <laughs> uh, so there is, yeah, it's, it was, it was fantastic. Um, and, uh, I guess, uh, I came here for the release of the French translation of Book Hunter. And uh, yeah, my uh, my publisher flew me out here. Um, my French publisher, Kambarakis, and uh, yeah, they um, they hosted me and uh, got to tour around with the book. And um, it was it was it was literally like the best thing that had ever happened in my life. Um, and uh, yeah, the festival was fantastic. And then uh, I remember after. You know, after it was all done, you know, I'd done, done all these signings um, and met all these wonderful people. Uh, 
I went, I went back to the States, um, and I was still working, uh, I was still working as a library aide at the time. And I remember, yeah, I remember the next week I was, you know, I was shelving books and I was like, I, I must, I must return. I must return to this, you know, this magical city. And, uh, yeah. And then <clears throat> I guess I'll just, uh, kind of fast forward, uh, to a couple of years ago. Um, I learned about a residency program that's uh, here in the city. Um, it's open to uh, any cartoonist. And so I applied for the residency. And uh, what do you know? Uh, I got it. And so we moved our whole family here. Um, I brought my wife and kid along. Uh, my, uh, my son, who's three years old, is... Uh, going to preschool here in Angoulême and uh, yeah it's just been uh, it's been wonderful um, I guess the uh, for um, for some people uh, the residency actually includes uh, free housing um, so we got uh, we got set up with an apartment and uh, yeah it's uh, and there's the studio space and uh, I guess preschool's free over here in France so yeah, it's just I. It's it's hard to express uh, the uh, the amount of gratitude I feel for uh, for the people here um, to uh, have invited me and uh, welcomed me to uh, this country. Um, and uh, basically, um, I'm here. Uh, they've just invited me to uh, stay here for a year, and uh, I get to work on this uh, my next comic book. What can you tell us about this? I heard another podcast that you were talking and explaining a little bit about it, and it just sounds incredible. Uh, so my next project is uh, called The Box, and it's a uh, it's similar to Meanwhile in that it's a uh, sort of interactive or choose-your-own-adventure-style comic, uh, except uh, it'll be about seven times longer than... Uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, it'll be about 500 pages, um, and uh, instead of uh, one spine, this book will have three spines and two rows of tabs that the reader can uh, traverse across uh, one of the spines, um, and oh my gosh, it's just crazy. It's just bananas, uh, but that's, that's the basic idea. That sounds incredible. And how do you go about planning out something like that? Um, well, uh, normally I would start with a flow chart. Uh, except this, um, uh, this project is beyond, it's, oh my gosh, it's beyond anything. It's, <laughs> there's, there, yeah, there, there, if I, there's no flow chart. There's no flowchart that can contain all the information in this book. Um, so because, how, do you, how do you organize your thoughts then? What do you do? Uh, maps. Maps and this sort, of, uh, this sort of notation that I invented just specifically for this project. Um, so there, um, there's, uh, I guess five layers of maps and then uh yeah each 
map has like this graph associated with it. Um, and then on the graph, I have uh, these sort of weird uh, notations I use to keep track of uh, inventory and memory. Uh, so it's it's a complete mess. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, yeah, at this at this point, if I get stuck, there's there's no one I can I can call for help. I'm just on my own here. <laughs> well, you are breaking new ground then for sure. Um, we'll see. So you're going to be there for a year, um, yes. and are you hoping to get the whole work finished in that amount of time, or is this going to be a longer project? Um, I'm. Honestly, I'm hoping to get the thing thumbnailed in that amount of time. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, I guess for um, some of these interactive uh, comics that I do, the, uh, the thumbnailing is actually half of the work, the, just the planning of the book and the, uh, yeah, the charting of it and mapping it all out is, uh, is basically half of it. And then the uh, actually drawing it is, uh, is kind of... It's almost uh, almost an afterthought. Right. Wow. So that's uh, this is going to be a very very ambitious project. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that for sure. It. Uh, it. Yeah. It could very well be unpublishable. <laughs> there, might, there might. At the end of it, there might be only one copy that I, that uh, that ever gets made. Wow. Well, <laughs> then I. Uh, I hope it's uh, available for people to check out in some way or another. Well, if you're ever in the Bay Area, you can uh, you can contact me and uh, and come to my house and read it. Great, I will make sure I do that then. <laughs> but yeah, let's 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 hope it doesn't come to that. I yeah, well, I uh, I'm sure that there will be somebody. This sounds like it's going to be uh, um, there will. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> somebody will take it on. <laughs> Well, you know what I want to ask you? I want to talk to you a little bit more about your father. I remember my uh, my dad told me he had something like fourteen jobs in Tokyo. Um, so yeah, he, he yeah just worked on uh, yeah tons of shows. Uh, the Rudolph one is the uh, kind of the famous one in the states, but uh, if you were to go to Japan, the famous uh, one would have been uh, Obake no Kyutaro. Um, and uh, yeah, by I mean, you know, by the time uh, by the time he was a dad, he was uh, you know that kind of uh, period in his life was uh, was over with. Um, so he wasn't uh, he wasn't doing much uh, animation, but um, he still did uh, a bunch of uh, sumie. Uh, that's like a Japanese type of watercolor, and. Um, he would, uh, he, I remember when I was a kid, he would, um, we would do sumi together. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Now, did he uh, primarily work in stop motion or was he trained in classical form as well? Uh, he did, he did all sorts. So, you know, TV animation, um, uh, and then, you know, uh, stop motion too. Can you tell me a little bit about, um, people you've, uh, other comic creators that you've worked with in the past that you kind of admire? Uh, yeah. So, um, 
I guess, uh, you know, this is, I guess this is pretty common uh, for cartoonists, but, or for any, for any artist, uh, which is uh, the, uh, the cartoonists that I was uh, reading when I was a teenager are still my biggest influences. Uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, I sort of came of age in the 90s. So, uh, you know, all those 90s uh, fanographics and drawn in quarterly guys are, uh, you know, they're still my, uh, they're still my uh, favorites and still my uh, biggest influences. So like, um, uh, you know, Dan Clowes and Peter Bag, uh, Chris Ware, uh, Hernandez Brothers. Uh, but uh, in terms of... Uh, I guess uh, in terms of more unusual influences, I love uh, I love this Japanese horror manga cartoonist uh, named Kazuo Umezu. Um, his uh, masterpiece was uh, one called The Drifting Classroom. Oh uh, yes, came out uh, in the seventies. Uh, so for for me. Uh, I think the, the best era of American comics was the 90s, but uh, the best era of manga, uh, I feel, is the 70s. Because mm -hmm. uh, you had, um, I'd say, uh, that's when Tezuka was uh, doing his most interesting work, or his he had like sort of a renaissance in his career. Um, uh, Kazuo Mezu was at his prime. Um, Saito Takao, uh, uh, I think, had just done uh, Survival, which was, you know, probably one of the most influential manga, of, you know, of that whole generation. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think the '70s is where it's at for uh, for manga. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, in terms of my peers, uh, I guess the. Uh, you know, the people I was friends with in the Bay Area um, would be uh, sort of uh, my, my big influences in my peer group. Uh, so like Gene Yang and Derek Kirk Kim, um, Lark Pien, uh, Tin Pham, we, uh, we all had a sort of art night together um, back when I was uh, first getting started as a cartoonist. So we'd usually meet up at uh, Gene or Derek's house and uh, and uh, draw draw comics together. Wow, most of those names that you just mentioned um, all have books from first second. So yes. you do, you do <laughs> kind of run in the same circles there. It's uh, yeah, it's funny how that works out. But um, yeah, in um, you know, I guess these days there's a uh, you know you could go to a comic school, uh, you could go to CCS or SCAD. But uh, yeah, back you know back in the days that uh, I kind of I kind of see those uh, art nights, hanging out with uh, those people as, uh, as, as my art school where, you know, where I'd ask Derek, you know, about the pennies using or, you know, ask Gene about, you know, how do you lay something out? Jesse Hamm um, was uh, kind of uh, the best draftsman of the group, I'd say. So uh, I'd always ask him for uh, advice drawing stuff. Uh, but yeah, that I mean, you know, you could you could probably see uh, a lot of their work in uh, in my own. What would you say is your favorite? You mentioned uh, Tezuka before. Um, I like yes. I I think he's great as well. I'm a big fan of his. What is your favorite Tezuka work? Gosh, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go for um, 
I guess uh, some of the longer stuff he was doing, uh, like Ode to Kido Hito. Um, I like, uh, yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to say because the, um, probably his most influential stuff, the stuff he did super early in his career, like uh, Treasure Island and Lost World, Astro Boy, those are, um, those are amazing. Um, but uh, it's, they're almost, they're almost too influential. Because uh, <laughs> when, when you read, when you read it, you don't, uh, you don't really realize how innovative they were because all those innovations were, you know, were adopted by everyone. Right, and um, and improved upon over years or so, so it seems almost derivative nowadays. Right. Um, I read um, Mysterious Underground Men, and recently, and that book is just incredible to me. Um, just the he was doing things in his layouts and stuff that people, especially in America, weren't even thinking about at the time. Yes. Yeah, very incredible. Um. Um, so I play I play this game uh, with a lot of cartoonist friends, which is uh, whose whose comics career would you most like to have? <laughs> um, so for me, uh, I know a lot of people say Tezuka, but for me, uh, it would be uh, Yoshihiro Tatsumi. Oh yeah, yeah, um, that's an interesting career for sure. Well, yeah, that. That dude had, yeah, I mean, um, he's had at least three or four uh, very distinct uh, sort of uh, periods in his career. Um, and each of those periods was completely revolutionary. Um, so like, uh, you know, all, all the stuff he did starting with Black Blizzard, uh, I mean, uh, it essentially... Um, introduced a lot of the uh, the cinematic vocabulary that's kind of become commonplace in uh, manga now. And then the stuff he was doing in the 70s with Garo was, you know, it's, you know, it was, you know, it was American alternative comics before American alternative comics. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. And then, and then as like an old dude, you know, in his 80s or whatever, he knocks out this giant you know, fat tome that, you know, that's bigger than, uh, you know, blankets. It's, you know, it's <laughs> like fatter than, you know, anything, any, you know, all but like one or two Americans have been able to, uh, to do. And from what I hear, he did that all by himself. Um, he wow. did that's amazing. On that thing. So um, that, that middle period you were talking about, you said that was the seventies. I think it was the seventies, uh, back, uh, when he was doing stuff for Gato. Yeah, that stuff is incredible. I, w I read it and I thought that it could have easily be done in the 90s because it has that alternative fantagraphics kind of feel to it. Just the right. dirtiness and the grittiness to it. Um, right. it's, it's fantastic work, yeah. Well, here's, a, here's another thing. My, um, my dad is almost, uh, was almost the same age as him. I think he, my dad was one or two years older or younger. Um, so my dad was uh, was a kid uh, in post-war Japan. Okay. Um, so yeah, he you know he saw he saw all sorts of crazy stuff, um, and that's kind of the the time period where a lot of those um, you know Pushman and other stories are uh, are set in. This yeah, just this horrible, you know, 
this horrible, depressed, you know, post-war period in Japan where, you know, people are just, you know, desperate and hungry. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's some, it's some intense stuff. Yeah, that's a, it's a very interesting period. And to see, I guess, um, and I guess that makes sense if we're comparing it to kind of the 90s underground, although, you know, America didn't go through the same sort of horrors that Japan did. Um, but just that sense of, of um, I don't know, figuring, figuring out the world and, and uh, this new generation coming in and having to deal with the baggage from the previous generations. Because right. um, I feel like uh, just the stuff uh, from, that came out of Fantagraphics in the time in the 90s was kind of very similar in, in its tone. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like the um the 80s, the 80s especially was kind of a <laughs> um, yeah, kind of a dark a dark period. Uh um yeah, I don't know. There's just a looming threat of, you know, com- complete annihilation and um it's crime and yeah, it was I mean, you know, whatever. We lived through it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, I want to, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, sometimes, uh, sometimes, you know, when I, when I see my, uh, when I see my kid, uh, you know, my three-year-old, uh, you know, running you know running in the park or something and you know i just want to say you don't know you don't know what it was like in the 80s there was crack pipes around every under every rock in this park now um let's go back to tizuka for a little bit um you uh, your character jimmy yi is in a couple of your books is that right i know he's in meanwhile and is he the main character in empire state as well he is. He yeah. even has the same name. The same name, yeah. So is that, I feel like that's definitely um, a little tribute to the work of Tezuka, who always used his same characters kind of over and over again. Yes, it's, uh, I'd say it's part, partially a tribute and partially, uh, yeah, uh, a testament to, uh, <laughs> to my poor uh, character design. <laughs> okay, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I was really into uh, the the Tezuka star system. I liked uh, I liked how he would even sort of uh, cast, so to speak, against type. Like a you know a villain from one story would you know end up uh, as like a you know uh, a hero or you know a good guy in you know another story. Um, right. Yeah, I know that um, when I read Alabaster, Rock Holmes is a terrible, deplorable person. And I think that was the first time I saw that character. And um, some other people are just talking, like, no, 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 really, he's a... Other books, he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, okay, well, now my opinion of that character is jaded because of this one book. <laughs> right, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, when you see Kevin Spacey on screen, and you're like, do I, do I trust him? Is he, yeah, right. Is he... <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I totally enjoyed this, Jason. Thanks so much for uh, oh. making the time to talk with me. And so much fun. Thank you so much. No problem. And uh, we will make sure that we chat again, especially um, maybe when all four volumes volumes of Demon are out or when you have this new work um, put together. We'll, we'll chat again. Yes, that sounds 
That sounds great. Awesome. I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking again. For more episodes of the Pullbox Podcast, visit us at pullboxpodcast.com or on iTunes. You can find me on various social media websites. Just search for Curtis Findlay, and that's Curtis with a K. You can follow me on Twitter at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and, you know, on Tumblr and Instagram and all those other social medias as well. Uh, go to patreon.com slash thunderquack to support us, where you can kick in as little as a dollar and get a bunch of great rewards. The exclusive Thunderquack podcast, as well as access to the Facebook group. And by getting access to the Facebook group, you get that direct line to us to send us suggestions for what we should read on the podcast. If you like this podcast, you can check out other great podcasts on the Thunderquack network by heading to thunderquack.com. 